Greg, was that mauling that fellow about an hour north of Glen Allen? The, guy, the fellow who was mauled. Was that the fellow who was about an hour north of Glen Allen who got mauled, came up on the, the sow of three cubs? Oh, okay. The one guy who just mauled, I read the story of the bear spray actually saved his life. He got mauled, but bear spray saved his life, they said. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We are at verse number 19. Quench not the Spirit. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray your blessing upon the message tonight. Lord, I pray for your mercy and your grace. Lord, I pray that your word would feed your people, would be a help, would draw us closer to you. Lord, that you would do the work that needs to be done to convict, reprove, rebuke. Lord, that we would be obedient. And Lord, that you would bless and work in us. Teach us your word tonight. Lord, and may your spirit preach to our hearts and convict and draw. Lord, please, I pray this time would not be in vain, but you, you would use it to feed, our, to feed the church and to help us, Lord. I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray for that this evening. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been one of those ones I, I, verses I was studying, and it, it doesn't happen all the time, but it certainly happens, and, and I enjoy it when it does, that when I get into it actually studying it, I actually change how I viewed it before. Um, and uh, when you're diving into something, it's, it's much different than just the casual reading. Even as a preacher at times, I would cross-reference verses and use this one and go from there. And, and, uh, um, but diving into it, um, it, it certainly was exciting. As you notice, we're, we're, in, we're in this series of commands given by Paul as he's closing out this epistle. We've, we spent more time actually in these commands than almost in the other chapters combined right now. Each, I, I tried to do two with one. I was going to do despise not the, uh, um, the prophesying as well as this one, uh, but that just wasn't going to take place. But I'll probably try and get to verse 20 and 21 next week and combine those together. But quench not the Spirit is what we are going to deal with right now. We've already looked at those first three commands, which those are the ones that almost seem impossible. Rejoice evermore. Um, I mean, to have a continued rejoicing regardless of circumstances. We talked on that. To pray with, to be able to pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. And again, those, those are the ones that certainly are, are difficult. And really what we're looking at today is going to support and help us to be able to follow those commands, that those three that were just given. And anyhow, we, we looked and saw how we do need the joy of the Lord, how rejoicing evermore, how important that is. And, and the, I'm not going to recap that message, but there was, there was so much to it in looking at that, how we, we still can have joy, regardless of circumstances. Obviously, it's a command given. It's, the command is given for the times that we need it. When everything's going well, it's easy to rejoice. It's given during those times when things are difficult, when it's difficult to rejoice. And, and how we can do that, we looked at that because of God's goodness and, and what He does and, and the importance of it. How having that joy of the Lord, how it does fight off temptations in your life like bitterness or covetousness. We looked at praying without ceasing as well. The importance of having always being in that constant communication with God, ready to pray at all times. And, and the importance of having a persistent prayer life and passion in your prayer life and and what leads to you being a person who has that strong desire to be praying without ceasing? When you're, you truly desire God's glory in your life, desire to fellowship with Him, when there's great need in your life. 
And then last time we looked at an everything give thanks and uh, um, how that, of course, is perhaps one of the hardest commands in the Bible to be able to actually accomplish that. Uh, And we dove into that. That certainly wasn't the first time I I dove into that verse um, because I do think that's very important to to have that gratitude in your life and how important that is. But now we, we come on to these next series of commands, and we start with the, one that is incredibly important, and that is quench not the Spirit. As we're going to see, that fire of God in your soul is desperately needed in your Christian life. Matter of fact, I've entitled this, Don't Put the Fire Out. You need that in your Christian life. It's going to help you in many ways. There, there, there's going to be much that the devil will do to put that fire out in your life. And we're going to see that. That's what, what, that is what is being referred to in quench not the Spirit. We're going to look at two things here tonight uh, with this text, and that's it. One, number one, don't put the fire out. And number two, the danger in your life when this fire does, in fact, go out. So let's dive into this tonight. First off, again, don't put the fire out. It's dealing with, it says here, quench not the Spirit. Of course, we're dealing with the Holy Spirit of God. It's a capital S right there. He's the third person of the Godhead. This is God Almighty. He's, he, is, he is the part of the Godhead that is active right now in the world. The very moment that you put your faith in Christ, that very moment, on that June 30th, that around 12, 10, 12, 15, whatever it was, that early afternoon when John Norris... Pastor John Norris led me to the Lord. That very moment that I repented on, I placed my faith in Christ. God's Holy Spirit indwelled me at that moment and sealed me unto the day of redemption. And by the way, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. John chapter 10 deals with this. I think I'm going to have to go into detail uh, more. I think I'm going to have to do maybe a Sunday night little series on why we cannot lose our salvation. And the fact is, when you fall into that trap of believing that, it shows a profound misunderstanding of how salvation actually works. And we'll look at, so what happens when a Christian does sin? But when he seals you, the Bible says you are indwelled and you are sealed unto the day of your redemption. That's what's going to take place. And so that's what he's doing. You got saved. He indwelled you. He sealed you. We know what he's doing right now. We see it in verses like in John chapter 14 and verse 26, or in John chapter 16, verse 13, is really significant portions of both those chapters. Two things that really drives that, that he's active in doing. This is going to help us understand about quenching. All right? His, his active ministry right now, of course, one is, is to teach us in truth. That's his job. That's something that he's doing. He's to show us truth. He's to teach us. That's why when you're reading, when the preaching comes and you have those aha moments, when you have those, those moments when you're in God's Word, and it is amazing, you just happen to need it, and that, that illumination hits. That's the Spirit of God working on your heart. That's what He does. And we certainly need that. We need him to do just that. It's a spiritual book. We have the author right with us, and we need his help. We also see from two different places in the New Testament, like Romans chapter 8, I I believe another thing the Spirit of God does with us right now is help develop a closeness and a realness with our relationship with God. Romans chapter 8, what I'm referring to, is the verse where it it deals where he helps us crying out, Abba, Father. That's a term of, of endearment, of closeness. 
I believe the Spirit does that, allows you to get to that place where there is that sense of a closeness with God. So He draws us closer to God. That's part of His ministry right now. We also see from the Word of God, what He's also doing right now, the Spirit of God, is guiding us in the will of God. And that covers both areas, the what and the where. When it comes to the obedience to God's Word, the what of the will of God, it's that Holy Spirit that does reprove and convict and work on our hearts. And to try and prompt you unto obedience. But it's also, I also need the Holy Spirit for those areas that are not necessarily clear. Like leaving Alaska to move to New Guinea. That's a pretty significant decision. I need the Holy Spirit's guiding in my life. I not only need it for major decisions like that, but I need it when I get up in the morning. I do, I need it. When when I'm heading to the closet to decide what I'm going to wear. I don't need the new modern book for modern day preachers to decide how I should dress that day. I need the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what I need. So He guides us in God's will. Do you need that? We also see from chapters like Romans chapter 8, or the book of Zechariah, what chapter is it? Watch me forget that. Is it chapter 4? Um, where it, it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In other words, what we see with verses like that in Romans chapter 8 and other places, God's Holy Spirit also is the one who gives us the strength that we need for this Christian life. So he has a lot going on. There's a great need we have of that comforter, the one who comes alongside right now, that Christ said, he's taking my place. I'm still here. So that's what we know what he's doing. So he is key to our walk. Our text says he's not uh, quenched, not the spirit. We know he can be quenched, he can be grieved, and he can be resisted. All in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Acts 7, 51, uh, uh, with Stephen and, and the preaching that's taking place there, and then resisting the Holy Spirit of God. And there is a difference between quenching and grieving. There's one line of thought, and and I've taught it, and I I think it does apply. But certainly after studying this, it is not the primary primary meaning of this at all. But I still think it applies. I remember when I was first taught it, and how I've taught it at times, it dealt with sin of omission and commission. That the quenching was dealing with when you're not obeying something he's leading you to do. The grieving was dealing with sins of you doing something that you're not supposed to do. And usually the illustration was when you're thirsty and you quench thirst. And again, I, I certainly think that, that there's an application there to that. Um, but that certainly is not the primary meaning when you get into this. Quenching is what you do to the Spirit. It is. It is. All right, based on certain actions that we're going to see. Quenching is what you do. The grieving is the result of the quenching. It's the Holy Spirit's response to our actions when we're quenching. Grieving speaks to that pain or sorrow actually of God's Holy Spirit when a believer quenches the fire that He has been producing in your life. That unction, that drawing, that leading, that guiding, the desire. 
And you think about that. He's genuinely grieved. You do not quench the Holy Spirit without grieving the Holy Spirit. You will not grieve the Holy Spirit unless you quench the Holy Spirit. They go together. It's not as simple as sins of omission and commission. That's not what, the, that's not what that word means. It, it really doesn't even imply the thirst at all. The word is used in one meaning. That's it. Every place you look it up in the Word of God, in the New Testament, every single time it's used. To put out a fire. To put out a fire. That was the meaning of that word. You can look at, I looked up every single reference, you know, whether it's quenching the fires of hell, brought up several times, uh, uh, the smoking flax, he will not quench, uh, um, the fiery darts, uh, about quenching the fire, in Ephesians chapter 6. They all dealt with, and that's the meaning of that great Greek word at that time, aside even from Scripture. It means to put out the fire, to stifle it, to stop it, to quench it. <clears throat> and of course, we also know from Scripture, the Holy Spirit is often referred to. It's one, of the, it's one of the illustrations that the Bible gives us as to the Spirit of God that is fire. Acts chapter 2. Cloven tongues of fire. And he's telling this new church. Remember, this is a new church. They had the struggles. Think when Paul wrote this. Go back to the introductory to this. Keep it all in context. The struggles they're having, the battles that they're having. It's a new church. And he tells them, quench not the Spirit. So the instruction is, that fire. Don't put out that fire. Don't put it out. Don't quench what the Holy Spirit is producing, that fire that He's trying to get in your life. So what fire is this talking about? I believe it's, it's clear with what He does, especially with Romans 8, that passion, that love, what it's all about. You know, I, I remember this when, when I was meditating upon this. I could think back, and that doesn't come from my own flesh. Your own flesh won't produce anything of the sort. My flesh is against God. But I remember after that preacher came to my house and he said, listen, we're going to have these services, the, the new pastor, I want you to come. I said, man, I'll be there. And I still remember as I started attending, probably within the next couple of services, I remember a Sunday night service. And one of the best ways to describe it would be a burning. All of a sudden, a desire for God. A passion. A fire was there. It was there. I remember going forward. It's probably one of the first times I ever went forward to an altar doing a service. Uh, I, I don't think I'd ever done that before. And uh, I went forward just to tell the Lord, whatever you want, I want to do it. I mean, at that moment, I remember nothing else mattered. Not school, not sports, nothing. It was just what did God want. That's something the Holy Spirit produces in your life. Quench not the Spirit. You need that in your life. You need that passion and that fire and that love and that zeal. The Holy Spirit produces that in your life. If it's not there, something's wrong. Something is quenching. Something is putting the fire out. Don't quench that fire. And now number two. 
there is danger if that fire goes out. There's danger. I thought of different places in Scripture and different men I thought I could use as example, whether that was David. We've talked about him a lot here recently. I'm not going to go there right now. But what happened in his life when that passion died down? How his perspective had changed. How the decisions he made were affected. I thought about Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, the church at Ephesus. When the condemnation was coming down on that church and he listed everything they were doing right. Let's face it, Ephesians chapter 2 in those first several verses sounds like a strong, independent Baptist church. Standing for what's right, fighting against sin. I mean, when you read through the description of most of the churches, I mean, really, that, that, that's what I see in there. But yet, the Lord was ready to remove their candlestick to say, listen, just like those other churches, just like the other ones, with all their compromise and wickedness, the Lord told that church, yet I'm ready to remove that candlestick. Why? You have left your first love. The fire's been quenched. It's out. That word first in that text, I think that's important. It has two meanings. It means first in time and first in position. Both. And both apply in that verse. It's seeing what happens when the fire, it's quenched. When something else is first. The word, the word first there means, it's translated ten times in the New Testament, the word chief. Prominent. Chief, ten times though. It speaks to priority. And, it, and remember, at that church at Ephesus, he is telling them, you have left often what is chief. What should have been first. You put other things above what should have been first. Look at this verse over in Deuteronomy. Turn over to Deuteronomy with me. I'm nowhere near this portion of my notes, so let me find it. I am jumping way... Yeah, I'm jumping like to the last point. Don't worry, I'm not going to finish with this. I'm just jumping way ahead. You're not, you're not going home yet. Deuteronomy 28. Now, if the rest sounds really disoriented, just tell me I did a good job. Anyhow, make me feel better when I'm done. Except for John. This verse is always, always grabbing. Going back to when I was reading through Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28, 47. He's talking about these curses shall come upon thee. What are indications that you're off? What are indications that you're going a wrong direction for the children of Israel? Look at verse 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with. So in other words, they're serving God. Okay, the context of this verse is they're serving God. They're doing right in that area. But look at the rest of the verse. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart 
for the abundance of all things. So they were serving God, but there was no heart. There was no passion. The church at Ephesus left that off. That's quenching the spirit. It's what the spirit does in your heart. It's a fire, a passion, a love. A church or, or a Christian that has lost his passion or love for Christ is in trouble. Listen, and i got news for you. It's likely to cause harm to the cause of Christ. Again, right now I'm trying to focus. I'm going to give you the dangers of this. Say, so how can that cause harm to the cause of Christ? Because you are very likely to portray Christianity in the wrong way. You are. Because you're going to claim Christ and you're still going to do what's right. But it's going to be be presented without the love, without the passion, without the fire. <clears throat> when he said you have left off, that word left there is interesting too, showing how it came about. It means two words. It means uh, neglected and divorced. Neglected and divorced. Around the, around the campfire, we've all been there where it's kind of cold at camp. And nobody's paying attention to that fire. And all of a sudden, the heat it's putting out begins to go down and go down and go down and go down and go down. Why? It's simply neglected. It's not tended to. It's not looked after. Listen, that fire in your life for the Lord, you had better protect it. You had better tend to it. Do what you can to keep it burning, to keep the oxygen flowing, to still have a combustible source there. <clears throat> what happens is the danger comes in then. When the fire begins to go out, when you begin to quench what the Spirit is doing, you begin to focus much more on, on your form, if you will. And not your faith. It becomes about procedure. It becomes about checking your box. Yet our service is to flow from a passion for God. That's what Deuteronomy 28 is dealing with. He said, listen, when you serve me, I actually want it from your heart. Not just serve me to serve me. What comes to mind when I was thinking about this is what happened to the nation of Israel during that first century. And, well, backing up. The fruit of it is already in place in the first century. You can see this is in place. Take, for instance, what became of the fourth command of the Sabbath day. Wow. I mean, really, it is incredible when you study all that they did when it came to the fourth command of the Sabbath day. What it was showing was they became much more about the form than they were about faith. That's why, that's why Christ even reproved them. That the Sabbath, man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. It skewed their perspective so poorly. <clears throat> 
Don't allow your Christian life to become about your form or the things you do or the standards you have or the ministries you're involved in. I dealt with that a little bit on Sunday night. Don't let that be the purpose. Always allow God to be the purpose. Keep Him in focus. Let it stay about the Lord. This is why it's so dangerous to quench that fire. The devil will do what he can to get you distracted from that so that fire is neglected. A lot of times he likes to set a fire for something else in your heart. Something else to take that place where it's no longer chief. Listen, we're, we're all flesh. The devil's good at bringing something else in to grab, that, to grab your passion. I was, I was reading, I think it was last week sometime, and it was a, of, of a Christian that I know, and just the distortion that's out there today, and just basically, without realizing it, on purpose at all, without realizing it, basically lifting up idolatry, of, of, of openly, without realizing, showing where the heart and passion has nothing to do about God. Because what happens is this. You remove that passion for God, your life comes about you. And when you're in church, when you're still trying to do right, you, try and, you have to try and somehow justify these two worlds that you're trying to be in. And you begin to make your Christianity about you. And about your life Instead of actually God's kingdom. Listen, be careful. Be not ignorant of the devil's devices. He comes in with enough truth to allow you to buy into his lies. He can get you to believe that you're, you're giving your life to something but vanity. And you'll all of a sudden believe, oh, I'm so free now. Look what I'm doing. This is what I'm meant for. i got news for you. You are meant to glorify God. There isn't some other subtle purpose. So what happens was, within that person I'm talking about, something else grabbed their passion. It wasn't God. It was about their life. We become such a selfish, self-centered society that we lose place. Everything is about the Creator. It is. That's the road you want. Other dangers, when you begin to quench the Spirit, when the fire is down, when the love and the passion isn't there, when you're neglecting that fire, or through sin, directly throwing water on that fire. When that love and passion is gone, you'll begin to see the world as your enemy instead of the mission field. Your perspective changes. The heart for people is gone. It's gone. Your heart's for yourself. It's gone. The world, yeah. You know, it's kind of like we're at now, on both sides. I mean, I understand the left. It's much more vehement, much more bitterness, because they're from operating from such a position that's anti-God. That's going to be the fruit of that. But we see it on the right side, too, for those who don't know God. Just the... <clears throat> that's not a word. I hope that made sense. I don't know what that was. But 
Another danger. And this one, oh, you don't want this. Your service for the Lord, know what it becomes? Mechanical. That is no fun. Nope. Becomes mechanical. You're on the road to burnout. You're on the, you're on the road to being burned out. You know something? When, there, when something has your passion, when something has that love, you're not getting burned out. Greg, are you burned out on Ruth yet? No. You better say no. <laughs> you don't get burned out. It's your passion. You would not want your spouse to treat you in a mechanical way. You want it out of the out of the love, out of the passion, out of the adoration. Your service becomes mechanical. You begin to see the world in the wrong, almost as your enemy instead of a mission field. Compassion goes by the wayside. Another danger. Complacent, complacency and contentment in a wrong way begin to set in in your life. Instead of passion to be more like Christ, instead of passion of the Holy Spirit's job that's there to, to, as I've already laid out, to illuminate, to teach, to guide, to draw you closer to God, that's quenched. The fire is gone. So you become complacent with your Christian life. You know what that changes? That changes how you open the Word of God in the morning. Changes how you view it. Don't make it just about checking your box. Don't. You want the passion behind, the fire behind it. It changes how you pray. We dealt with that when I, when I talked about what's going to, uh, and, uh, to pray without ceasing, the importance of having passion in your prayer life. This is going to feed that. It'll also change, which we're going to get into next week with this. It changes how you view the preaching. Where it's not just, okay, let's get through this. But complacency comes in. And if you're a ministry leader or you have a ministry, know what it changes? How you view your ministry. There should be a zeal and a passion. That's produced by God's Holy Spirit as He illuminates, as He guides, and He burns that fire within. You have a passion for the Lord. Your flesh doesn't create that. God's Holy Spirit does. And He's saying, don't quench it. Don't put the fire out. When it begins to take place, your life becomes more about self-advancement instead of advancing God's kingdom. At that point, you become insensitive to the leading of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Think about that. Think of the destructiveness of that in your life. You become insensitive 
to His guiding in your life. To that leading. When love is gone, that fervor is replaced by procedure in your Christian life. No more zeal. Just like we looked at Deuteronomy, Christ desires the relationship with you. Isn't that not amazing to think about? I mean, the Creator, He actually desires that relationship with you. I mean, the greatest command we have, we all know, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. I assure you, God's Holy Spirit's prompting, guiding truth is to that end. That's what he's going for. The relationship. Listen, you can, you can hit a home run in ministry, but if you miss first base, you're out. You're out. This is first base. Don't miss what's most important about the Christian life. The relationship itself. So, the question tonight is, how is that fire? You know, as I've already mentioned, let me me finish with the illustration at camp. You know, there's times when they begin to throw all those wood on there real quick, and that thing just kicks up, and you've got to move away. I mean, the heat just hits. So let's look at a scale here in your own heart. Ask God, okay, show me. Where's the fire at? Is it there where it's just burning? Or is it the opposite where you can just about have your foot sitting on a piece of timber in there to get any warmth at all? If the fire is not there, I assure you, it's not the Holy Spirit who decided to let it go out. As the verse tells us, we're the ones who have quenched the Spirit. That's on us. Does that fire need to be rekindled? Are you quenching the Spirit? If so, just come and ask the Lord, please, show me what, show me what I'm doing to put this thing out. How am I suffocating the fire? Rekindle it. I assure you, he wants to do that. With heads bowed and eyes closed.